Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar, so let's open up with a prayer, please. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. The Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord who, by the Holy Ghost, was conceived, born of the Virgin Mary, raised, suffered unto Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended unto hell. On the third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended unto heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So, folks, um, we're going to continue our meditations on the status of Christ uh, using the uh, the spiritual writings of St. Thomas More. This is going to be um, episode four, uh, part four, I'm sorry, part four, episode 14 of season two of the uh, Informed Catholic. So our scripture reading is going to be from uh, St. John's Gospel, chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to read the whole entire scene from verse 1 uh, down to, excuse me, sorry, um, down to uh, verse 10. All right, so we'll start it. So, St. John's Gospel, chapter 18. The arrest of Jesus. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas procuring a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to befall him, came forward and said to them, Who do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them when he said, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word which he had spoken. Of those whom you give me, I lost not one. Then Simon, Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. 
shall I not drink the chalice which the Father has given me? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> All right, so let's read from uh, St. Thomas More's Sadness of Christ. Once again, the evangelist takes advantage of mentioning the betrayer to emphasize for us and to recommend to us by such emphasis Christ's holy custom of going together with his disciples to that place in order to pray. For if he had gone there only on some nights and not frequently, the betrayer would not have been so completely convinced he would find our Lord there that he could afford to bring the servants of the high priest and a Roman cohort there as if everything had been definitely arranged. For if they had found that it was not arranged, they would have thought that he was playing a practical joke on them and would not have, would not have let him get away with it unscathed now are those people now where are those people who think they are they are men of stature who are proud of themselves as if they had done something fine if sometimes on the vigil of a special feast day they either continue their prayers a little longer into the night or get up earlier for their morning prayers our Savior, Christ, had the habit of spending whole nights without sleep in order to pray. Where are those who called him a glutton for food and wine because he did not refuse to go to the banquets of the publicans and did not think it beneath him to attend celebrations of sinful men? Where are those who thought that by comparison with the strict uh, regiment of the Pharisees, his morals were hardly better than those of the common rabble. But while these gloomy hypocrites were praying on the corners of the main streets so that they might be seen by men, he was eating lunch with sinners calmly and kindly, helping them to reform their lives. On the other hand, he used to spend the night praying under the sky, open sky, while the hypocritical Pharisees were snoring away in their soft beds. How I wish that those of us who are prevented by our own laziness from imitating the illustrious example of our Savior might at least be willing to call to mind his all-night vigils when we turn over on the other side in our beds half asleep, that we might then, during the short time before we fall asleep again, offer him thanks, condemn our slothfulness, and pray for an increase of grace. Surely if we set out to make a habit of doing even the least little bit of good, I feel certain that God will soon let us set us forward to a great way on the path of virtue. Well, there it ends there. The first thing the first thing Thomas More points out is the habit of our Lord um keeping the custom of praying. 
on especially in the night. Often scripture makes points out that uh greater uh amounts of sins are often committed at night. Uh it seems because when you think about it, first of all the arrest Think about it. The high priest was willing to arrest our Lord at nighttime. And according to the law of Moses, that's forbidden, especially during the holy days. During the holy days of the Passover, the most sacred of all days for the Jewish people, it was illegal to, to arrest anyone during the holy days. And especially the law of Moses forbids an arrest to be committed at nighttime, to be done at nighttime, because that is usually when um, sinful behavior is more active, uh, when it's scandalous, when it's uh, corruption, because nighttime is, especially during the late nighttime, is usually when crime is committed. And often, let's face it, it's still that's still part of human nature. Uh, break-ins um, into people's homes, uh, act of assault, uh, robbery is often committed sometime, most of the time at night, um, especially, uh, you, know, all, you know, organized crime is often done in the shadows because that's usually when sinful behavior and usually when the devil is more active because he is the prince of shadows. And prayer is usually a way to counteract that. Our Lord would go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, it was his according, it was his custom. It's obviously, whenever he went to Jerusalem, it would have been his custom to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, why would he go there? Because he knew that that's where the high point of his ministry. That is when he will be arrested. He, that is a place where he would be arrested. And also there's a custom that the Garden of Gethsemane is the place, the olive grove there belonged to the temple. And that's where usually the holy oils from the, from the, the olive leaves, the olives would be crushed. Now you would, it would crushed in order to squeeze out the olive oil and of course our lord that's what he would feel the weight of the world the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders and that's also where he would sweat blood it's actually a very beautiful place the garden gethsemane the mount of olives it's very peaceful very beautiful if you go there um you would also feel the beautiful uh breeze there's a beautiful breeze you 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 would feel um it's gorgeous it's a gorgeous spot and if you ever go on pilgrimages you should go there it's very beautiful and according to some traditions that it is the place where uh the olive trees are most the oldest and some believe that those olive trees are descendants of those trees that were witness to the arrest now, Judas knew the custom because Jesus would go there often. He knew Jesus' habits. Remember in the last episode, we talked about it. We talked about how, why Judas found, uh, found it the need to follow Jesus if he didn't believe in him. 
Often a lot of people who are not religious, who struggle with their their sins, we often said it in the past podcast meditation, they're fascinated by religion, but not willing to commit to the values of that faith, not willing to practice it. They're sort of like linger around, sort of like a fire, like a, a moth on the flame, but never really, really diving in to let it change them. Uh, and people often who believe in Christ will come and encounter with him, never with the intention to convert, obviously, but then they find that their lives have changed. And then there are those people who come and encounter Christ, but never convert, but they still, still wind up changing. Even those who are atheists, non-believers, they find themselves marked and changed forever. And it changes them. Some people react in a positive way. Some are confused and some admire him. Obviously, there's a lot of people who met Jesus and never converted. They, they never really changed their lives. But, I mean, that is not in a sense they never converted, but they still are impressed. They're still somehow marked. Something, something changed. It's obviously the first step of a change. But they never pursue it. They never go forward with it. They never explore it even more. Some do. Some do. Some come back and they need to know why this person left such a mark on them. Why this, these words that this person spoke left such a mark on them. And it's often the same way people who meet encounter Christians. They're, they're, something changes. Not just they meet one Christian, maybe they meet another, maybe they meet someone even more remarkable, a real saint, and it changes them. And this is the beauty about it. Judas himself never realized that Jesus did make a change in him. He just didn't pursue it even more. He prevented himself, he prevented the grace from growing even more in his life. But yet, instead, he allowed it to become, somehow to change into hate. Now he's pursuing Jesus, not because he wants answers, but because he hates him now. He despises him. He despises the holiness. Now it's turned to complete hate, anger, and that's exactly what happened. Now he leads at nighttime an arrest. He's he obviously went to the upper room, according to Jim Bishop in his book, The Day Christ Died. He obviously would have first gone to the upper room. And obviously there would have been a raid at the house of Mark's family. Which is probably why that little boy in the Gospel of Mark who we see it during the arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane, when one of the soldiers tries to grab him and pulls off his robe, and the young boy runs away naked. It's sort of a play on what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Adam and Eve, after the fall, found themselves naked, 
the young lad ran home naked through the streets of Jerusalem that night. Hopefully he had some kind of uh, undergarment around his waist, but he ran back home to his father and mother. Uh, tradition ha would have it that some believe that his mother was Peter's sister, so Mark was Peter's nephew. That's the tradition. It's a small tradition with a small t, so we don't know for sure, but he is related, uh, uh, it's believed, to the Apostle Peter. Now, obviously, the arrest, the fall, the, the fall of those men, is when Jesus says, whom do you seek? Um, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am he. Judas, standing with the high priest soldiers and uh, the high priest soldiers, they fell backward. In a sense, because the word of God knocked them backward. Jesus himself, the word spoke and it knocked them backward. And then he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you notice the words, I am he, I am. Jesus is the great I am. Judah, the unbelievers of the world and the people who basically, the Jews who had the first revelation given to them still did not fully comprehend the mysteries of God. They encountered the, they encountered the incarnate word. They encountered the living God of Mount Sinai, now in the person of Jesus Christ, and they still did not recognize him because they have now taken the customs, the traditions of Moses and their ancestors, and they have made their customs and traditions personally their own without God. They decided to take on, to, to value their identity as Jews rather than the covenant that God has made with their ancestors, with Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. In a sense, Judaism went a separate way. Instead of looking for the fulfillment of, of God's promise, they decided that they valued their identity, which, become, which eventually can become paganism. To a lot of people, their identity, their ethnic identity, their national identity, can become far more valuable to them than their fulfillment to God's law, than the fulfillment, the relationship with God. This happens with a lot of people, a lot of people. The Jews are not unique to this. But yes, their identity as Jews became more important. Their identity as Israel became more important. Um, this actually this obviously shows, shows uh, through the high priests and... Um, and, and also the, rev the revolutionaries. You have the people uh, who value their faith as Judaism, far more important. You have the people who also, the revolutionaries, not much different than the high priesthood, who value their nationalism and their, their independence from Rome and their identity as Jews, which has become the new golden cow, the new golden cow for the Israelites. And today... They are a nation like any other nation, still unique, still uniquely different. Their history uniquely sets them apart, but 
their identity as Jews and their religion, which is linked to both faith and their ethnicity, has become more important to them. So I'm going to end it here. Uh, we'll continue another one. God bless. So let's say a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.